Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And welcome to our Thursday evening class, Through the Law and the Prophets. And so well, this Thursday evening conversation. Yes, Thursday evening. It's supposed evening, to be conversation. It's supposed to be a conversation, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to our Thursday evening conversation, there Through the Law and the Prophets. Uh, I'm so glad and thankful that you joined us tonight. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to uh, give a, hit a, hit the like button and make sure to turn the bell on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching on Facebook, make sure to like and share, and that really helps us out. Absolutely. Here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you, check out our Facebook page or go to www.churchofvictoria.com where you can find out more. And I think the there's a there's a, a banner on the on the picture where they've got a phone number they can call call the office she'll get a hold of one of us uh, we'd love to talk to you we'd love to call you back talk to you and, and uh, just uh, have a kind of a conversation with you so please do that if you have any kind of questions or would like to know more about what we're doing here we're kind of big on conversations absolutely absolutely <laughs> you know it's how you learn how you have how you learn how to communicate and how you how you learn how to how to uh, how to learn how to who people are you know, yeah. people are not going to know who we are if they don't talk to us. If they just uh, assume they know, well, you know, make a mistake that way. So, you know, we're uh, we're we're a bunch of good people here. Just a bunch of people. Just a bunch of sinners trying to trying to navigate through life and and trying to yeah. uh, stay stay connected to God. You know, as best we can and do the That's things right. we're supposed to do. That's all we're doing. You know, we're trying to we're trying to go through the 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 Old Testament because you know we we realize that a lot of people don't have a, a good understanding of what the Old Testament is talking about. You know, a lot of the stuff is hard to understand. It's hard to navigate through. I think we've, I think we've tried to kind of uh, set up a, a, some parameters with what we've done so far these last two weeks. Um, you know, we're talking about the law here. We're talking about really the first, at the beginning here, we're talking about the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. Uh, it's called the Pentateuch. It's called, uh, you know, Ex Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's not just part, just certain precepts of law, but the, really the whole thing is is the law itself, is yeah. the, the the whole structure of it. And and Genesis, where we started, is how how it begins. That's what we're doing. Is how it begins. We'll talk more about this, uh, some of these uh, principles and precepts as we go along, because you know you you we'll we'll talk about Jesus a lot. But it'll come up all the time. It's going to come up over and over. So, so we may not cover something here that we're going to cover in chapter 12 or may not cover something here that we're going to cover in chapter 17. So, And, and we're going to keep moving, guys. We're going, to, we're going to try not to go verse by verse. It would take us 50 years to get through this. But, well, and tonight we're in Genesis chapter 4. We're going to start off in 4. We're going to talk yeah. about 4 has 2 and 3, right? Well, 1 through 3 has really set the narrative for four. So we're going to pick at some of those threads and talk yeah. about kind of what yeah. we're seeing in four, five, and six, I think. And yeah. uh, we're going to get into it. So brother, why don't you go ahead and pray? Okay. Let's get started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for uh, for the opportunity we have to be your children. Uh, Father, we know it wasn't because of us. It was because of you and because of your great love for your creation uh, that you put your son on a cross and, and brought him out of the tomb on the third day. Father, we, uh, uh, we're looking here at the, at the Old Testament. We're looking at, at how it all began why it all began, uh, what it, does it mean to us uh, today? Does it mean anything to us today? Uh, we're looking at all that and trying to help our audience to, to navigate through all of this stuff. Thank, thank you, Father, for the, for the opportunity we have through this medium of, uh, uh, that we can, we can touch so many people. Thank you, Father. Bless us tonight as we study. Help us, Father, to, to, to present the truth. 
in in uh, in everything that we say and do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Genesis four here in just a little bit. But let me ask you something, brother. Have you ever had to live with a horrible consequence before? Uh, consequence of my own doing or consequence just of just a consequence? Just a consequence. I think every one of us has had to do that at some point or another. You know, we've had uh, made a mistake and, and, and had to live with the consequences. Uh, you know, somebody else made a mistake and had to live with the consequences. Uh, somebody uh, uh, somebody uh, has a, a health issue or something. Those are consequences you have to deal with and have to live with. We have, uh, you know, we've got people right now that are having, a, having to learn how to live without a mate and uh, and that's uh, that can be that can be tough to do uh you know even though we have hope and we have a a, a, a vision of, of heaven uh it's still difficult as human beings to to navigate through that if you're talking about living with consequences of sin then i think all of us have done that as well had to live with the consequences of making a mistake and it catching up with us uh, there's a lot of people in jail <laughs> that are in jail suffering consequences because of sin in their lives or in somebody else's life. Uh, there's people in the in the hospitals because of the consequence they're living through because of of something somebody else did or did not do. Uh, major. I mean, we've we've had a rush a run lately of of uh, catastrophic accidents. You know, I mean. Uh, uh, we had one just the other day in the fog, and and uh, a guy died. And those people involved are living with the consequences of that event today and probably from now on for the rest of their lives to live with it. So I think, yeah, I have too. I've, I've lived with consequences, things that I've done, things that other people have done, things that, that, uh, that have been done to me. So, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what's happening here. They're, they're going to have to live from now on with the consequences of what somebody has done. And here we are living with the consequences of what they did. That's, <laughs> That's exactly that. I mean, that, I mean, you know, Genesis chapter three and verse 15 left it with, when we talked about that one, it was, Hey, I mean, you know, you messed up. You, you weren't supposed to eat that fruit of that tree. Well, just in Genesis three. Yeah. Yeah. Just in Genesis three. And, and so, and so God not only says he, I caught you, but now he says, here's the consequences. From now on, you can't live in here anymore. That's right. And now you're going to have to be separated from me. Because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. Right. That's what he was told was going to happen. He said, the day you eat that fruit, you will die. He said, don't even eat the fruit. Don't even touch the tree. Don't go near it. And when they were tempted and fell, uh, they were separated from God. He kicked them out of the garden. And now they're on their own. To a certain extent, they were on their own. And, uh, and they are... Uh, now she's going to be in pain every time she has a child. Uh, I wonder, you know, I, I, we talked about this earlier today, and I, I wonder how, when you really get down to it and, and, and live with, as Adam and Eve come out of the garden and probably come with a bunch of their kids, they probably had kids there because you said, now you're going to have pain in childbearing. Well, what, she didn't before? Well, she was in the garden before. So that means they had, they had children in the garden. And, uh, and so all these kids come out. And now it's completely different than it was before. The kids didn't do anything wrong. Let's just say if there was kids there, there, there's no kids. Those kids didn't do anything wrong. Right. Mom and dad did. 
But because of what they did, now sin has been has been translated to the world. Now they're we're all guilty. Yeah. And so now he's got to he's got to try to grow his crops before they grew in the garden by themselves. All he had to do is name them and pick fruit and eat. You know, now he's got to, and he said, the ground's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. You ever grown anything? Have, have I ever have grown, grown anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if, you know, people out there, guys out there and women out there that grow gardens, you know that if you don't work them, work them well, you're going to grow sticker bushes in this. <laughs> you, you, you can get one sticker in a, in a, in a, in a garden and, and don't get it out. And it'll grow sticker bushes all over the garden. You know, I mean, oh, if you, wow. you got, oh, you got to. So it's still growing thorns and thistles today. Mm. You know, I mean, if yeah. you if you live where there's any kind of dewberry vines, you ever pick dewberries? What now? <laughs> That's why this is a conversation. Because it's fun <laughs> to talk to you with. You ever pick dewberries? You I don't, don't even know what dewberries okay, are. Okay, well, dewberries are a little berry about this big. I'm going to have to take you someplace to <laughs> you pick dewberries. Now. And, the, and the vines are, are just loaded with thorns. Oh, wow. I mean, loaded with thorns. I mean, they got little bitty barbs all up and down. And, the, and the, you know, I mean, anybody that, uh, uh, my grandmother used to make me a dewberry pie. Oh, man. You know, she used to make dewberry kolaches. And, and uh, you know, we'd go out and pick dewberries and come home and have little, and we'd be picking little thorns out of our hands. Because, wow. You know, but, uh, you know, that's thanks to Adam. We're still dealing with the thorns and thistles, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it may produce good fruit, but man, there's still thorns and thistles. And and you know, in chapter four, that's what they're, they're four, five, and six. They're still dealing with this. Absolutely. And, and we're going to deal with it from now on. That's right. The whole book, the whole book, this whole book is about what's just happened and the consequence of what just happened. Absolutely. The whole book is, and and I don't think people understand that that the beginning of this, uh, I, I said something the. A while back, of course, it's hard to remember when we're doing this and when this is coming out because we we recorded this on Monday. And and uh, when I did my communion thought, I said God had a plan before the cross was ever planted in the ground. He had it planned. Well, the plan we already saw it in verse fifteen of chapter three. That's right. We already saw it. Plan's there. We're gonna. I'm going to. I'm going to bring relief. Yeah. I mean, verse fifteen says. Uh, you know, he says. He says, and I'll put enmity between you and the woman. Mm-hmm. And between your offspring and hers, he will yep. crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's not talking about something abstract or generic. He's talking right. about a he and a him. He, he is going to. Well, we know that's Jesus. We know that that's who's coming down the road. And we'll look at that more as we get farther along. Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it'll say, For mm-hmm. he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's right. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus mm-hmm. Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, yep. which he's freely given us in the one he loves. Now, we understand understand that that doesn't mean that we don't have a choice. No. You no. know, that's not what this is saying. This no. is Paul is looking directly at the church and he's saying, God foresaw this god planned for this before he even mm-hmm. laid the before he even spoke the creation yes. of the world yes. so before god said let there be light he already had planned mm-hmm. the church and the redemption and christ it was all he already had that all worked out now that's not that doesn't mean our choices are irrelevant that's far from it and there's mm-hmm. plenty of other scripture that speaks to that i'm thinking about romans chapter 8 um but either way he had a plan 
his plan was to redeem as many people as possible through the church, through and Christ. It, and it's not because I've heard people say, well, you see, he predestined some people, and some people he choose, some people he doesn't. That's not what he's talking about. No. He's no. talking about he predestined the church. That's right. He predestined a group of folks, a group of folks that were called out and saved and washed by the blood. That's who he called out. Right, That's Absolutely. who he predestined. He predestined the church before the foundation of the world. This whole book points to that. From the very beginning, it points to that. And, and that, that, that promise in, in verse 3, and what we learn in, in the book of Hebrews too, is when God makes a promise, he can't go back on his promise. That promise is valid even today. You know, Jesus is still at, alive and well. He's still at work. He's still sitting at the right hand, accomplishing his will and, his, and what he was, he was sent here to do. And that's saved souls. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, so after he's, he's made mm-hmm. this really powerful argument for God's foresight for his foreplanning for everything that he was going to do through the church he says in verse 13 and you also were included in christ when you heard the message of truth not when god picked you out that's right from the beginning of time you know that's not what that says it says you also were included in christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believed you were marked in him with the seal the promised holy spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are god's possession to the praise of his glory so your choice does matter. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely does. So don't take away from this, from that reading of Ephesians. It's so easy, yeah. that reading of Ephesians, when we take it out of context, so easy to say, oh, well, you know, God just chose all this before time. Well, we, no, he chose redemption yes. for the church before time. It yeah. was his plan for that. Well, if you go into another, t- you go into, I think, first, Second Peter, I think, chapter 2, I believe, it says God doesn't want anyone to perish. He yeah, wants second, all to come to, he wants yeah. all to come to repentance. Second wants, Peter, chapter 3, verse 9. Yeah. yeah, he wants everyone to come to repentance. Yeah. You know, so that negates that predestination thing. He wants everyone. Everyone to, to be when he promised that that was going to happen. The uh, the possibility for that was going to happen in verse fifteen. That's where he promised it of chapter three. So everything that comes after that—that's in Genesis chapter three. Yeah, yeah, bleeds off of that, comes off of that. That's right. You know, there's another text I wanted to talk about, not talk about, but I just wanted to read it. Isaiah writes to the you know in the time you know and we will get there at some point, but he writes and he says he says surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah now he's talking, to the, he's talking to the nation of Israel right, right here. He's not talking to all of us. But we can learn a great valuable lesson here. Sin separates you from God. Un- unforgiven sin separates us from God. And this is what happened in Genesis chapter 3 Absolutely. when they broke the law. Yes. They sinned. So yeah. let's, let's talk about that real quick. Let's okay. go look at some scriptures because... Before we talk about what that separation meant, mm-hmm. and we're going to see the effects as we go through Genesis, oh, yeah. we're going to see the effects of separation from mm-hmm. God. We're going to see the effects of lawlessness. But what is sin? It's mm-hmm. sin that separates us. What is sin? Mm-hmm. So let's just look at some text. I'm looking at 1 John chapter 3. This is verse 7. Um, excuse me, verse 4. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Mm-hmm. So when you break the law, it's sin. It's sin. Okay? So that's that's pretty simple. I feel like that's pretty simple. You break the law, it's sin. Let's let's look at 1 John chapter 5, and this is uh, verse 17. All wrongdoing is sin. Mm-hmm. So anytime you do the wrong thing, it's sin. Okay? Let's look at James chapter 4. Um uh, here we go. Yeah, James chapter 4, this is uh, verse 17. If, any, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. 
So if you know what you're supposed to do, if you know the right thing to do, and you refuse to do it or fail to do it, mm -hmm. it's sin. Okay, let's look at Romans. This is chapter 14, starting in verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So if you act without faith, Whatever it is, whatever it may be, if you act without faith, it's sin. Mm -hmm. So lawlessness is sin. Wrongdoing is sin. If you know the right thing and you don't do it, it's sin. If you act without faith, mm -hmm. it's sin. And sin is disobedience to God. The, in, the, in, the, in a nutshell. And, and Romans, in another place, Romans says, it says all of us are guilty. It'll say Every all of us are guilty of sin, but the reason I don't just simply leave it at disobedience, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. God has personally never told me anything, mm -hmm. right? He's not, now I'm using this as an example. He hasn't come down and said, do this or do that, mm -hmm. all right? Someone who re who's never read his word doesn't know if God's ever said, do this or don't do, mm -hmm. or do, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Sin is much more than just disobedience or obedience. Now that's a part of it for mm -hmm. sure, mm -hmm. but it's also when you know the good thing to do and you don't do it. Mm -hmm. You should mm -hmm. do the good thing. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. it's it's more, it goes above and beyond just simple obedience or disobedience. Mm -hmm. I would say that when Adam and Eve decided that they were going to decide for themselves what is good and evil, when they said, we can make this decision ourselves, mm -hmm. that was sinful. Mm -hmm. And it resulted in disobedience. I would say all sin results in disobedience for sure. Well, you know, I mean, we can, we can jump all over the book with this thing. You for know, sure. James chapter 1 says our own evil desire is what brings forth sin in our life. That's right. Our own evil desire. So, you know, I want something I should not have. God didn't have to tell me it's not right to have it not, or not have it. It's not, he didn't have to tell me. I know if you own a car that I want, I got a couple of options. I can either buy it from you or I can steal it from you. That's right. Or I can never have the car. But if I want it bad enough and I have an evil desire and I decide to take it from you, that is sin. Absolutely. You know, that is wrong. It's also breaking the penal code and if i get caught i'm gonna go to jail right, but but there's a if you take it down to a smaller essence than that you know just any evil desire i want something that i don't that i've been told i don't need to have as a little child you know at some point at some point i'm going to realize that my evil desire has gotten away between me and my god and now i am separated from him you know and i why do i why do i try to quibble a little bit because it is it is a quibble it is for mm -hmm. i think that saying anything that you do in, in disobedience to god is sin and i, I think that's accurate to say mm -hmm. that i don't think there's anything wrong with that so i want to clarify the reason i'm saying well it's still sin even if you haven't been told anything mm -hmm. for those who would try to wrestle with this a little bit and say well god i've never read god's word and I don't know anything that God wants me to do. So then how is it sin? Mm -hmm. It's still sin. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's still, it's absolutely still sin. Whether you understand what God expects of you or not, it's but, still sin. But just sin. like you read a while ago. Yeah. When you know to do right and you don't do it. That's sin. It's sin. That's sin. You know, I mean, I mean, if you know there's right things to do and wrong things to do, every one of us has a conscience. Every one of us has a heart. And we know when it's the right and wrong things to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, from, from, a, a little kid throws a rock at another kid. He knows that he's not supposed to do that. He knows, you know, he learns really quickly the things he should and should not do. Uh, you know, it's, it's so, but what we're going to go on is, is when we disobey what God says, 
we're, that's, that's a sep- we, have, we have chosen to be separated from God. Let's take it to that extreme. All right, let's take it to that point. Oh, that's right. I'll agree that's with right. you 100%. Sometimes we, we sin, and it's not necessarily that we were told not to do it, but if we know that it's not right to do it, and we do it anyway, we're wrong. Absolutely. But, you know, from what we're looking at here in the book of Genesis is they, what happened to them? They got kicked out of the garden. What was it like? Can you imagine what it was like for them now? You know, being outside of a fellowship with God, there's a lot of people watching us. They know exactly what it means to be outside of a fellowship with God. Because they have been separated from God for a long time. Because they've chosen to be sinners. They've chosen to be in a, in, a, in, a, in a relationship, in a non-existent relationship. They've chosen it by their life. They've chosen, look, I'm going to live my life any way I want to do it. I don't care. And, and that, that separation from God, think about, think, think about your life. Or let's, we think about our lives before God and after God. We've talked about this before. My life apart from God, away from God, I can't even begin to... There were so many things that were different that are not the same now. You know, the just the simple... And I, I don't want to make it seem simplistic, but, you know, the... Relationships. Relationships, relationships are, different. are different. Relationships are different. You know, you know Jesus know, said, I came to give you life. and so I give, came that you so that you would have life and, and have, have it, it abundantly full, mm-hmm. or to have it to the fullest, another mm-hmm. translation says. And you really don't, I, I, I would say very simply, you don't understand what it means to really live until yeah. you're in Christ. Yeah. yeah. Because your relationships aren't, it's not about you anymore, well, you know. We're going to get in. We, you know, we look at chapter four, Genesis chapter four, mm-hmm. and 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 in Genesis chapter four, uh, let me get back to it. You know, two of their sons. I've got three sons. You know, it pains me. You know, when my sons are not on the same page. You know, my sons are older now, but it pained me a great deal when when my sons were fighting all the time. You know, of course, it was it was a. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it was, you know, it's, it's tough to keep three boys, three teenagers yeah. away from each other, you know? Yeah. It is. And and so, but here, we're going to have one of them going to kill the other one. What do you think Adam's thinking? This doesn't talk about Adam. This talks about Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel are going to bring sacrifices. One of them God's going to accept, one of them doesn't. You know, and, and the one that he doesn't accept, he's going to get angry, and he's going to kill the other one. What do you think Adam's thinking? You don't. You think Adam's living under a rock? It, just because it doesn't say anything about him, you know, how many things that I did in my life that my boys did, I was my fault. I felt horrible. I felt horrible for the t- the things that I did early on that I know that they learned from and they were imitating later on in life. The way I treated my wife, that they learned. I learned different, and I treated her different after that. But, you know, they, they watched that, and they saw that. And I see some of that in them, some of them now. And, that, and it bothers me because I feel guilty that I brought that into their lives. What do you think Adam feels? Man, hmm. he ate that fruit. What do, you think his, what do you think her mother feels? You know, I don't care how many kids she had. They're all still special, aren't they? Hmm. They're all still special. Which one, you know, I know you've got, you know, you've got uh, little kiddos, man, and, and, and I know that each one of them has their own dis- unique <laughs> personality. Uh, the little bitty one. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's something. 
Yeah, well, you know, we've got one of those too. That little bitty girl is, you know, we call her Hurricane Hannah because she is, but, you know, I mean, but they're special. Yeah. And when something goes wrong in their life, how bad does it hurt? Even though they may, you know, they're, they're, they have these unique personalities, it hurts no matter who, which one they are. That's what's going on here. And and for four, five, and six, then six is going to get so bad, he said, I'm done. God's going to say, I'm done. I'm just done here. You know, so it's it's a, you know, I, I, I thought about it, you know, last week when we were talking about it, about the separation that was involved and how, how horrible it is for a parent to be separated from a child. You know, and how horrible it is to just to have separation, just to be separated from from family members. You know, you see... You see videos of, of soldiers coming home and they've been gone for two or three years and, and the and the reaction they get when they when when they walk in the door and everybody's overjoyed because the separation was awful. Because that separation was tainted with the with the idea that I may never see them again. That's hard. You know, I know when my son was deployed to Bahrain you know, and, and it wasn't really bad then. I mean, but but I knew he told me he came home, told me he said he said you have no idea. We have no idea how good we have it until you go someplace where they where it's awful. He said Bahrain was awful, and and he said that it was that, you know, he came and he said he appreciated so much when he came back. Well, you know, back then the, the coal the coal got bombed, you know, the bolts oh, yeah. inside of them, you know, and and I knew that they were in the Persian Gulf. That's they were in harm's way. Might I ever see him again? Might he never come home? That's horrible. Well, here, they're going to lose a son. They ain't never see him again. All they have is the promise that God said, one day I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this. They don't have any of that right now. How do you think they feel? Man, it's got to be awful, man. Well, and they're looking for that, too. We, yes. we said earlier, you know, Genesis 3.15 is, is kind of the beginning of that thread that traces all the way throughout the Old Testament. They're supposed to be... We're all supposed to be reading the story with this idea that, okay, someone's going to come and fix this. Mm-hmm. Someone's going someone's gonna to come and solve this problem. And right in chapter 4, what we find out is it's about to get a lot worse way before it ever gets better. Well, and Cain, it's going to be thousands of years. And it, we're looking around now, it still ain't gotten well, any better. Well, and they have, but they have no idea no, that don't. it's going to be. It's, it's almost like it reminds me of the apostles. And... You see some of their writings, and you see some of the writings of the uh, the the men who sat at the feet of the apostles, and they all really did think Jesus was coming right now. Yeah, you know, they thought he was. He, yeah, they they didn't even know if they were going to survive that generation or not. Yeah. A lot of times, yeah, and that goes right back to Acts chapter one verse eight, where he says, "It's not for you to know these times. It's not your place to know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You go out and be my witnesses." So the the apostles and, and the prophets had a singular mission. Mm-hmm. But it's not for, it's not our to our job to know all these times and everything, but here in the in the text we're looking for that seed of woman that's going to come and mm-hmm. fix this problem. And so we get Cain and we get Abel. And as you've already talked about, there's a big schism. There's a big fight. Yeah, there is right. And you know Abel brings an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn his flock. This is Genesis chapter four verse four. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering. He did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. A lot of people want to look at it and say, oh, we'll see Abel offered because it's the fat portions of the flock. The offering is so much better. Uh, I mean, look, the, the sacrificial law actually has 
stipulations for both of mm-hmm. these things. It does. Now, a fat portion offering or a fellowship or a um, a burnt offering or fellowship offering is 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 looked upon in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But there was also a written code about the type of offering that Cain gave. And so I think Hebrews really kind of shines a light into this, Hebrews chapter 11, where it says Abel brought a better offering because of his heart, because of mm-hmm. where his heart was and mm-hmm. where his faith mm-hmm. was, right? Um, and we see that. I think we see that in, in verse 6 when the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Do you think God knew what was about to happen? Sure. Why didn't he stop it? Because he gave, they they have their own free choice. They can do yeah. what they, you know, he gives them free will. We, well, you know, Adam and Eve had free will. They could do what he said. He said, why didn't he just take the, the tree out of the garden? Yeah. He could have done that. He didn't. He said, here's what I, I want you not to do. Here's what you can do. It's your choice. Well, here, how does Cain know what to do? He said, if you do what is right, how does he know what's right? Somebody had to tell him. That's right. Somebody told him. You know, whether he said, if you're going to bring fat portions, you can bring grain offerings, bring the best you have, you know, whatever. I don't know why his heart was not right, but it wasn't right. I don't, And I don't really think it had anything to do with the offerings. I don't think it had to do with Abel's offering or his offering. I think his heart wasn't right. But what if it did have something to do with it? Oh, maybe it did. Let me let me yeah, clarify. What if it did? What if his what if his heart was, you know what? I've got I've got less sheep than Abel has. I really can't afford to lose one, so I'm really not going to give that because God wants us to trust Him. Oh yeah, I'm, you see what okay, I'm saying? I see. Oh yes, for sure. It could it could have absolutely been it, that. that. Yeah, that absolutely. could have been where his heart was. His heart was, and he said, and he looked at his grain offerings and grain crops, and he said, you know. Man, this is all looks pretty good. This really looks good. I'm gonna save this over here because this will be really good for cornmeal and stuff. I'm gonna use. I'll take some of this. So like Malachi, they yeah. were offering up the diseased. Yeah, or the, <laughs> weren't giving their best. They weren't been, worshiping him with like his Glenn best talked portions. about it a while back in, in our communion thought. You know, yeah, yeah he, you've been stealing from me. You know, well, I think maybe that's where they knew what the right thing was to do. Right, because absolutely. God told them. Yeah, they don't have to guess like like we talked about a while ago. Well, sometimes it's not clear. You know, hey. They knew. They knew what to do. And they still had it. Even though they were separated from God physically, like they weren't before. You know, And I don't know if Cain and Abel were in the garden. I have no idea. You know, I'm just saying, what ifs here? And I'm trying to get these folks to think outside the box. You know, could it have been different than what we think it was? Yes, absolutely oh, could. Yeah, but sure. we don't have we don't have near what's going on here. Well, and again, this is a narrative. Yes, it is. So we're we're being told a story and mm-hmm. we're supposed to take away certain things from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like watching some of the time, some of the, sometimes it's like, it's like if you were watching the star Wars movie and then you, you know, you say something like, well, why didn't they just go do this, that, or the other? Or why didn't they do this, that, or the other? And it's like, you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not rational. It's like watching, okay, here's a better example. But, but I like there. what we're doing because if you watch the Star Wars movies and you watch Star Wars and you watch Return of the Jedi and you watch, you know, and you just go into, I think, how many of there are like seven or eight of them? Yeah, there's You go there's to number eight lot. Yeah. and start watching? What's going on? Who are they talk? Who, who is this guy? Who's, who's this Skywalker guy? I don't know what they're talking about. Who's this guy they're talking about? Because you didn't watch the first one. Right. 
you know, well, if you go, if you go over here, all right. Well, what are you talking about here? Oh, you're talking about. You can go back here, and, and that's what we're doing. What we're doing here is is establishing what's happened here, well, what's coming here. And again, it's like you know, it's like a scary movie, right? Don't go in there, right? Yeah. You're watching a scary movie. The, the 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 good guy on the screen is about to, or one of the good guys on the screen is about to walk in the door. You know, the murderer's in there. Yeah. You know, can't you yeah. hear the little bees and the yeah. buzzing and the noise and yeah. everything? And, yeah. and can't you hear that? Don't go in there. Don't go in there. And then they go in there and they die. Yeah. And you're like, why'd you do that? You know. <laughs> It's yeah. it's a narrative, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. This isn't this isn't meant to say one way or the other about what it was like, what it was outside of what our what walking with God was like, outside of the things it directly say, says. We have to be very careful about presuming based on what it's exactly said. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. a narrative. But sometimes we get so caught up in just the words mm -hmm. that we lose we, that we exactly. lose sight of what the actual dynamic was. Exactly. And that's what that's what I'm saying. That, yes. And that's why I want us I want us to I want them to smell the dirt. Yeah. I want them to smell the dirt. I want them to, I want them to you know I want them to see you know Abel here offering his sacrifices and and then Cain walking up behind him and clocking him with a rock. Mm. You know, I mean, this is the dynamic that Adam and Eve can take credit for because they brought this into this into this world. And here here we have this, you know, and like I said, you know, from verse chapter three, verse 15 till almost to verse chapter 11, it's going to be chaos, chaotic. It's going to stop for a while in, in six, but then it's going to be turn around and become chaotic again. And that's why chapter 12 We'll talk, start talking about, here's the fix. So Cain kills Abel, mm -hmm. right? Spoiler alert, if you yep. didn't know. So, he, so God warns him, and then, he, and then it says, Now Cain said to his brother, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> Gosh. Sounds like an excuse I would use. Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Man, I don't know where that clown is. Gosh, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to back Kane up on this one. I've got brothers. I'm not their keeper, darn it. <laughs> but the, but he says that it's sarcastic. Oh, he yeah. knows what he's done. You know, he's got to know that God knows what he's done. You know, you know he's he's gone to, you know, God has has talked to him from a cloud, talked to him, you know, somehow, and said, hey, where's Abel? You know, it's just like he said, talk, said to, hey, Adam, said to Adam, yeah, yeah, man. Exactly right. Well, we were, you know. Where are you? Yeah, I was hiding. What yeah. are you hiding for? Well, I was naked. Yeah. Who told you you were naked? Like God didn't know any of yeah. this, right? Yeah. You know, what do you mean you're naked? What, what, who told you? What, what's the problem? You ate the fruit of that tree, didn't you? You know, where's your brother? You killed him, didn't you? Yep. You know? Guys, let me tell you something. You can sin for your whole life. You ain't going to ever convince God that you're not a sinner. <laughs> ever. That's true, right? He that's why he put the plan in place because he knows you are a sinner. He knows we're he knows we're lost. He has to put a plan in place. He has to put the plan in place so that we can have some way to get back to him. That's right. And that's what this is all. This is that's what this is. Of course, these are just some de details going on here. Uh, just trying to show just you know chapter five. You know, if we get in chapter, is there any more you want to do here? I mean, so and so let's. Well, we're going to see that we're going to see 
how bad it gets. Okay. So look here, looking here, so Cain kills Abel, mm-hmm. and God puts a curse on him and says, "Hey, you need to you you need to leave." Cain complains about the curse, so we get that whole dialogue, and then we we get to watch this line. Cain made love to his wife, and she became pregnant, gave birth to Enoch, and then Cain was building a city, and he named it after his son, and then he had these children, and these children, and these children, and then look, Lamech married two women. First time in the Bible we have this. Mm-hmm. Married two. One named Da and the other Zilhad. Now, some scholars will note that the variation of this word married in the Hebrew actually is a form or a type of slavery, a type of really? uh, encaptured. Like they're, they're, like they're, it's not marriage in the sense that we would think, but it's more marriage in the sense of they've been captured. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty horrible thing. Um, so it's not, it's, it's not supposed to be as subtle as it is here where, oh, he just married two women. So not only did he do this horrible thing to these two women, but then look at what he says. And starting in verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Oh, the proud boast. <laughs> you know, look at how far, look at this. This is supposed, what we're supposed to be taken away from this is this depravity. It started with Adam. We see it in Cain, and now we're seeing it in his children. In his children, not all. And it's of them. getting worse. Not all of them. Not well. Yes, not all of them. We we know he had multiple children. We don't know anything about really about them uh, much. He does note that some were, um, you know, the father of all who played stringed instruments mm-hmm. and pipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some stuff we could talk talk about with that. But I think we we'll just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Tubal Cain, who forged all kind types of tools out of bronze and iron. They were very um, talented. They had they 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 learned how to do what they needed to learn how to do. You know, just like living on a farm, you know, you learn how to do what what needs to be done. I think this more closely speaks to a lot of their Near Eastern mythology. Okay. And that wouldn't be what they took away from that. Um, but we're not going to get into that. Good. It's it's not good stuff. Okay. This this stuff that they're doing here mm-hmm. in in ancient Near Eastern mythology is not good stuff. Okay, them becoming pipe players and forging iron and is where they got the knowledge from. All of that starts coming into question. And in ancient Near Eastern mythology, the answers to those questions is not a good thing. So this is not supposed to be. Um, at least a lot of scholars believe this isn't supposed to be like, oh, yay, and they were doing good mm-hmm. stuff. This is supposed to be like it's getting worse and worse and worse. Okay. And so for us, it seems very tame. Oh, he was a player of pipes, and he he did ironworking. But again— But it's very difficult for our audience to, uh, without without that kind of knowledge, absolutely. To, to come to that conclusion. Absolutely. All we can do is point them to that. Point right. them in that direction. Let them know this is not getting better. It's getting worse. It's getting worse, and that's. But, and I don't. But, but you're going to find, you're going to find, little tidbits of people that have broke from the norm. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's supposed to be this idea that look at this seed line and how bad it's gotten. Now remember, we've made, we've been given a promise. Mm-hmm. The seed is going to come and it's going to kill the the, the what this person is going to come and crush the head yep. of the serpent. Yep. But all we're seeing is disaster after disaster after disaster. Yeah. And then in verse 25 at the end of chapter 4, Adam made love to his wife again and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Mm-hmm. Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So there's hope. Yeah, absolutely. Things are getting worse and worse and worse and then there's hope. Yeah. So that that is what we're supposed to walk away from 
um, at the end of chapter four. And, and you know, chapter five will be that little respite there in the middle uh, of, you know, here's, here, is a, here is a picture of how to do this, how to do this right. We've seen a picture of how to do it wrong in Cain, in, in Cain and his family. And now we're going to see here's Seth comes along, has some family members, and here's a, here's how to do it the right way. Because now you're going to get Enoch here. It's so, going to come through that. And so we get to Genesis 5 and we, we stumble upon kind of a break in the narrative. Mm-hmm. And now we have this, this type of literature called genealogy. Mm-hmm. And we see the genealogies like this throughout Genesis. We see it again in Ruth. We see it again in Matthew and Luke. Yep. What in the world? Well, remember, it's, it is a lot of, and they lived this long, and they lived that long, and they had these children. But remember, we're supposed to be waiting for a seed. We're supposed to be waiting for one of these descendants to come along and save the day. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. So when we're looking at this, okay, was it, is it going to be this person? Is it going to be this person? Is it going to be this? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And the text moves through these people documenting, and this person beget this person. This is the seed. This person beget this person and this person. And so it's so we can track and so we can follow along with that seed. Uh, you mentioned that there was some places here where we were going to see um, how to do it right. And I think we're, that's, we see that in verse 21. Yep. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Mm-hmm. So there is a way. Here's, we... a, here's a window into how to do it the right way. That's right. To walk faithfully with God. Yeah. Cain did not do it. Adam did not do it. But is it possible? Yes, it's possible. We'll see it in the next chapter in another man named Noah. We'll have done it faithfully and done it the right way in spite of all the upheaval. So it, does that give me hope? Absolutely, because I know that if those two guys did it, I know that it's possible for me to walk faithfully with God. God gave them enough information so they could know what to do, to know how they were supposed to walk, how they were supposed to act, and they walked faithfully with him. What does that mean? I don't know exactly what it meant for them. I know when he tells me to walk faithfully with him, I know what it means. He tells you, he maps it out. He lists it, tells me, what. It, here's what you need to do. So I know what to do. I know how to live my life because he tells me how it's to live possible. my life. It's possible. Absolutely, it's possible. It's possible to walk faithfully Absolutely with God. Absolutely it is. It do, we don't have to be co-signed to sin and no, death. No, no, no. And sadly, so many people in our culture today, in our society today, that's what they believe. Maybe even people said, man, I've always been this way. I'm never going to be able to change. Right. I, you know what? I've, I've, my dad, my grandfather had an anger problem. My father had an anger problem. I got an anger problem. Yeah. It just is what it is. It is what it is. You know, I'm you, never going to be able to change. I heard one preacher say, could you imagine if we used that thinking with a broken leg? My grandfather had a broken leg. My father had a broken <laughs> leg. Well, golly gee, now I've got a broken leg. Yeah. And I thought, I well, guess we're all going to be just have broken legs. I, well, I guess that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. got to work on it. So it's yeah. just like Cain. Yeah. Sin is crouching at your door. Yeah. But here's, here's Enoch. And then it, the, his name comes up again in the book of Hebrews. It does. Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, it comes up and, and, uh, and he talks about it. He talks about him living faithfully, being a man of faith and living faithfully. Uh, in a in a chapter that's talking about you know how that dynamic works through that whole through that whole mm-hmm. book of of, he, of Hebrews, so you know here we are, you know and then and then you get to chapter six where here still still it is and and now you've got Noah, 
comes along because the wickedness had gotten so bad that that the that the little islands had gotten really small. There's not very many. There's nobody, you know, from from Enoch to here. You know, there's nobody else. All of his kids didn't follow along after him. You know, but here's Noah that does does what he's supposed to do and does it the right way. So, you know, I I think. I think what we can take away from today is is sin kills you. Not physically all the time, but it kills us spiritually. And it causes a separation between us and God. And in fact, in Isaiah tells the nation of Israel, this same this, this group of people tells them that because of your sins, God's turned his back on you. That's that's the separation. God put a put a guard up to, at the entrance to the to the garden and said, see ya. And without him, all we see for the most part, with some rare examples, with some very rare evil. differences, yeah. all we see is evil yeah. and increasing so evil. Very, very, very small pockets, you see, of what we have documented. Mm-hmm. We have Enoch, and then we're going to have Noah. Is all we're going to have. And it says that Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then God took him. He wasn't anymore. God said, I'm going to get him out of here because it's gotten too bad. I'm going to get him out of here. And he, and he was gone. Didn't taste death. That's what it tells us. I think Hebrews 11, doesn't it say in it Hebrews does. 11 that he doesn't taste death he, because God took him? So he doesn't have to die. God takes him out. One day he's walking in the garden. And it says in, 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 in Hebrews that he walked with God. He, he had a relationship. He walked with him. I, I believe that's what it says, isn't it? It does. I'm pretty sure. Well, instead of being pretty sure, let's just look let's at it. Let's just take a look at it. That's you know, what I figured. We got a little bit of time. Yeah, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. That's right. And without faith, it is impossible to please God yeah. because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Oh, we're going to get into that verse again. This won't be the last time they'll hear that verse because we're going to, we're going to see all through this book and all through the coming is men of faith being commended by God. Great men of faith being committed. Not by perfect. Him. No. Well, I mean, Noah, no. Noah, Noah was not perfect. No, he was not perfect. And we'll, we'll we see that after that. he gets out of the boat. And we'll see that when he gets out of the boat. After being <laughs> cooped up on a boat for uh, a long, a long, long time. time. A long, he, long time. He planted a vineyard. <laughs> yeah. And, did, and didn't do well. But yeah. the point is, God, God's expectation of us is not perfection. No, it's not. It's about living in faith, mm-hmm. about following him. I mean, do we want to be per? Do we want to try to be perfect? Absolutely, we want to try and struggle, but we don't do it to be saved. We do it because we are because saved. we are saved. And so it's it's a very powerful example what we see in Enoch, you know, what we see in Noah. And we could talk about this for another hour. We really could. You know, easily. but we gotta we have to quit. We have to stop. You know, we've been at this for a while, so you know they're gonna get tired of listening and turn, tune us off. You know, so I don't want them to do that uh, because I think what what's coming. We got some really good stuff to talk about. I really do. It's, I think it's gonna be. I think they. People can learn from it. I really do. So let's pray. We'll yes, sir. Right? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for, uh, for the gift of life. We know, Father, that sin and iniquity have separate, made a separation between, between people and you. And you loved us enough to make it possible for that separation to be gone through the blood of your son. Father, bless us as we, as we strive to educate, as we strive to teach and to train uh, through this class. Father, be with our audience that they might learn, they might listen, and they might apply the things they learn and hear uh, to their own lives. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Thank you for loving us so much. And it's in the name of your Son we pray. Amen.